Thank you for listening to the show. I hope it inspires you and expands your view of what's possible in your journey of wealth creation. My hope is that through a repeated exposure to the ideas and the guests you will find here, your view of finance will change for the better. With that said, there's an important caveat that must be stated. The opinions you will hear on this show are just that, opinions. Please don't misconstrue any of what you're about to hear as legitimate financial advice. Do your own research and don't take anything at face value. Understand that everything you hear on this show is someone else's experience that may or may not work for you. I don't know you, I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you that the one goal of this podcast is to make you richer, wealthier, and and ultimately more fulfilled as a human. I'm glad you're here. Please rate it, review it, share it with the people in your world that matter. And without further ado, enjoy the show. I am Ari. I am, um, I'm a virtual CFO. I call myself the money queen. Um, and I get the opportunity to work with tons of um, online entrepreneurs, helping them to scale their businesses, create better financial freedom, enjoy the process more. Um, and really scale their companies to a point where they can make a huge impact in the world, um, which is the reason why 99% of us start our businesses is we have some sort of impact that we want to make um, personally, professionally, we want to make the world a better place. So uh, that's why I love working with entrepreneurs and I get the chance to um, be in the back of some really amazing businesses, including Levels of Wealth and um, many, many of your favorite others. Because um, when I do what I do best, which is help people take care of their finances, then you can do what you do best, which is whatever the heck you do. Uh, thank you, Colin, for the feedback on the video. Um, and so, yes, so where I got my start is in accounting. I worked at a CPA firm for a couple of years and hated it. I didn't get to talk to people all day long. I was very bored sitting in a cubicle. And then um, I started going on a journey of personal finance at that point as well. And that is where a lot of my knowledge came from on the business side, working in accounting, and then on the personal side of developing my own steps to financial freedom. And so now I get the chance to share all across the board, everything from setting a budget, getting out of debt, buying your first home and saving up that kind of money uh, to how do we scale to 12 million, 10 million, you know, even above in our companies. So with that in mind, we are just about five minutes in. So I will get started. If you have any questions, once again, the questions for me, that is where you will get the most magic. And I want to make sure that this is super valuable for you. So also, if you are watching the replay, hashtag replay in the comments and also drop your questions. Tag me. I will come back and I will answer any questions that you might have had or anything that comes up as you're watching the video. I am pumped. Hey, Michelle. So nice to see you in the live. So... What we're going to talk about today is how to create a uh, more financial freedom for you using a better relationship with money. So I like to get a little woo with money. Now, everything that is woo can be backed up scientifically, and I am happy to give you the science behind it. But what I've learned after working with hundreds of, of individuals and businesses is that so much of money and this is going to sound so stupid. And so, you know, internet marketer, but it really is mindset. Now, the thing about mindset is that your mindset is not just the affirmations that you say and, and the self-talk, right? It is also the way that you handle your nervous system. It is the way that your body has stored 
and your mind have stored trauma, um, whether big T or little t trauma. Mindset is also the way, um, I think Taylor is actually the one that calls them agreements. These are the agreements that we've made and the choices that we have chosen, like we've chosen to believe about the world around us and what it takes, what it means, what it means about us. That's really what mindset is, right? And so the very first thing that I learned that started to change my relationship to money is to actually make money a relationship. So what I believed at the time, um, and so this was probably, I want to say like seven, eight years ago, had graduated college, was super broke in, you know, $100,000 in student loans. And it was kind of, you know, I will just be broke forever, apparently. And in order to, to change my mindset around this, what I learned was I had to create a relationship with money. And so the best way to kind of give a comparison is to say, what if money was your best friend or a life partner or whatever, somebody very important that you actually had a relationship with? So when I was looking at budgeting, for example, having done Dave Ramsey's stuff and tried to figure it out, I I came to realize that the reason why that wasn't working for me is because I only looked at my money. My, My goal was actually to never have to look at my money, right? My goal was that I will have so much money in my bank account that I don't even have to look at it. I don't have to worry about if I'm swiping my card, I can just say yes to the things I want to say yes to in the moment that I want to say yes to them, right? And so if I was to look like look at that as money, it makes sense. It's a great goal. I've made enough money. I can sustain myself. I can sustain my wants, needs, desires, etc. But if you look at it like it's a relationship, how would your best friend act? Or how long would you have a best friend? How much would your best friend want to be around if your goal was to spend as little time with them as possible? If your goal was to never check in, never see how it's doing, never make sure that the uh, that it is functioning well, your goal was to just say, hey, you'll be there when I need you. And that's when we'll talk. It's not going to work out. So um, what that led me to believe is that, that it is important to look at your money. So this is one of the secrets. Everybody thinks you get to certain number, right? Whether that's six figures, multiple six figures, seven, whatever. People like to think that you get to a certain place and you no longer have to pay attention. I will be done budgeting because budgeting is for broke people. That is not the case. That is secret number one is that you should continue or it is not should. I hate that word. Uh, It is in your best interest to create a true relationship with money, which is to spend time with it. It is to check in. It is to make sure that things are going the way that you want them to go. It is coming back to baseline and saying, is everything in my spending plan actually contributing to the life that I want? Is everything that I am choosing to, is are the ways that I'm choosing to make money? Are those in alignment with the things that I want? Is, is the way that I'm spending money, is it in alignment? Is it, you know, Am I spending on purpose? Am I enjoying the process? Am I taking good care of my finances? And that's something that I see rich people do. The people that I know that have the most money, they actually check in with their spending plans on a weekly basis at least. And the way that I learned to do that was actually by doing what um, someone taught me called money dates. And in the same way that you would with a relationship, right? You sit down once a week, you pour the wine, you, uh, you know, light the candle, whatever that may be, that feels like a special date. And that's where you look at the finances, right? Because what that's going to do is not only are you logistically like 
pulling out the bank statements, looking at what you've made, looking at what you spend, looking at what your spending plan is, taking care of the things that are going to come up in the future. You are also shifting your mindset, right? It's almost like a Pavlovian response is you begin to associate when I talk and think and work with my money, I do so in this beautiful environment that makes me feel safe. It makes me feel loved. I feel like I'm taking good care of myself. And now you begin to associate money with self-care. And so not only does it, the actual time spent make a difference in your finances, but the way you spend the time makes a difference in your finances. So that is the first secret is keep doing your spending plans on a weekly basis. The goal is not to have so much money that you can ignore it. It is to continue to take care of it because what we take care of continues to grow. So the next thing is uh, with has to do with aligning the way that you spend money to your desires. So what I've noticed is as we grow, especially in these kind of early stages, when you're going from making, let's say, um, $30,000, $40,000 a year, and all of a sudden you're making $100,000, $150,000, $200,000, you've got more than enough to cover your needs, we can experience lifestyle blow. And that is what all the financial gurus, right? They always say, like, don't let lifestyle creep. That's the word that they use a lot. Don't let your lifestyle just continue to grow with your income because then you have none left. It's correct but I don't agree with the way that or the reasoning behind it, right? Obviously, you want to spend less than you make, but your lifestyle should change, right? Like when I was in college, and I was working for campus safety and making $8 an hour, I should have a very different lifestyle now that I own a business and and bring home significantly more than $8 an hour, right? Your lifestyle should change. If you are st- if you are making six figures and you are still eating ramen because you're terrified of not having enough money, you should hmm, there should again. <laughs> That's a great opportunity to take a look at the way that you're spending and if it aligns with your desires, right? So there are two. I, I find at a certain income level, uh, there ends up being two camps. The first is who says, "Great, we've got money." YOLO, let's go buy whatever the heck we want and they end up overspending. And the other camp ends up being, oh my gosh, there's all this money and I'm so terrified that I'll lose it or that it won't always be here for me. And so I'm going to continue to, I'm just going to save, 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 save. I don't think in my experience that either camp ends up being very happy. And so the way that we rectify this secret number two, if you will, is by really assessing what your desires are and making sure that your spending aligns with it. So sit down and truly, like, do I love what really got me, I'll use myself as an example, what got me started, the very first smack in the face that got me started on my personal finance journey is that I was in college, I was working three jobs. uh, And when it came time to move out of the dorms, I had no money to buy furniture for an apartment. I had zero cash. My parents went and bought me a table for $100 at Goodwill or Salvation Army or whatever, because I couldn't even afford that. Even though I was working 40, 50 hours a week, three jobs, going to school for full time, absolutely burning myself out. And I had absolutely nothing to show for it. And I looked in my closet and saw where all the money went and realized in that moment, I am sitting here dropping every dollar I have. And it was a ton of emotional spending, right? So I had a great day. Great. Let's go shopping. Let's treat ourselves. 
had a terrible day. You know what? You work too hard to feel like crap. Let's go shopping. And I looked in my closet and I constantly felt like I had nothing to wear anyways. And it is because I really don't actually care for clothing that much. Like I will happily wear the same thing, you know, have one outfit a day. And, and yet my spending it was making me feel better to buy clothes, but I didn't actually love the clothes. And the second that I came to that realization and realized, oh, you can, you could save your money for just the things that you love. And so for me and what I teach is always, always, always come back to the drawing board and almost Marie Kondo, right? If you know who Marie Kondo is, her whole uh, house organization thing is does it bring you joy at the very first spark does it bring you joy and if it doesn't just let it go that's okay so when you're looking at your finances go through them and actually say are these things bringing me joy and if so great let like how do we spend more i love to travel i it is my favorite thing to do and i will drop any amount of money on a trip that just at the drop of a hat right but I don't shop very much. I cannot remember the last time that I went to the mall and I just moved the money over there. And my parents look at my travel budget and they say, wait, you're going on another trip. Like, what are you doing? You can't spend that much money on travel. And I'm, I say, absolutely. Yes, I can. That is my desire. And I make sure my spending aligns with that. Now, what most people do is we do both, right? I want the clothes because as a society, right, we have a very consumer mentality. And so because of that, we kind of just keep buying things, buying things, buying things. And very rarely do we step back and identify, do I love this or not? So once a quarter, what I do and what I teach is to go through all your expenses, maybe every six months, three to six months, at least twice a year, go through all the expenses and go through and say, you know, did I love it? Did it fill my needs? I love it. It's the best. Hell yeah. Let's go buy more. Uh, for me, that is travel, that is education, and that is uh, healthy eating and, you know, organic and grass fed and, and yada, yada. Pretty much everything outside of that can go. I, I, it just doesn't matter that much to me. Then you've got the category that is, okay, well, I need this thing, but I don't love it. So one example of this is a couple of years ago, I lived in an apartment that I absolutely hated. I tried to be away from it as much as I could because I just didn't like it there. It never felt like home and it was just a place to sleep. And so that obviously I need a roof over my head. I need a place to live. That's a need. But the way that I was getting it was not fulfilling. And so that turned into item number two. I do need this, but this is not the answer. This one doesn't bring me joy. And so going ahead and cut that thing when you can and find a replacement, even if the replacement is more expensive. That's okay because you already, because because step three, right? Which is the, what the heck is this? What are we doing buying this? Why do we have it? And I do this every quarter with every single one of my companies. We run through every single reoccurring charge, subscription, software, even team members. Um, not that we're just cutting team members, but we're even able to say, okay, if this team member is ending up on this list of like, why are we paying them? That gives us an opportunity to have conversations, to make sure that they are in the right seat on the bus to make sure that they're on the right bus because sometimes they're not. This is not necessarily the company for them, but it opens up the door for conversation to figure out what needs to change, right? So we do that in every single company that I work with and I recommend you do that personally, 
grab your bank statements or however you're tracking, do it on your money date, but make sure that you're spending aligns with your desires. Um, last but not least, I think that the other thing that, and I actually have lots of time, I think I talk too fast, um, but there, the last thing is creating a freedom fund. So you can call this whatever you want. I like the word freedom fund. I have friends who call it their financial fortress. I have friends who call it their uh, FU money. I have people who call it their war chest. Whatever makes you happy and makes you want to put money into it. Have a significant, this is, I mean, every financial person, this isn't even a secret. This is like normal money advice, right? Have a, have an emergency fund. I don't like to call it an emergency fund. I know emergencies happen, but I feel like I'm manifesting. I'd rather call it a freedom fund. This is working towards something versus away from something. But creating a freedom fund, right? So a large storehouse of cash, at least three to six months of baseline expenses. Some people recommend more. Some people say eight months. Kind of got to work that number out based on your needs, your family, how quickly you can bounce back from a downfall. But life happens. And the thing about a freedom fund, so obviously there's the logistics, right? Spit hits the fan. We've got money that we can access if we need it. The reason it works psychologically, though, especially when you're using it as a freedom fund or something we're working towards, is it psychologically gives you the ability to withstand the things that happen. And it psychologically gives you the ability to make choices from your desires. So instead of, oh, no, we don't have enough money to pay the bill, so I'm going to go get a I don't know, a job at McDonald's because we got to fix the situation. Not that there's anything wrong with working at McDonald's like or anything wrong with emergencies happening and, and us doing what we got to do. I want to be clear about that. That is not what I'm saying. What it does though, is it allows you to say, we're making decisions from desire and not from fear. I can take the extra time to figure out where to go from here because we've got time. I'm in the middle of a divorce and instead of having to run scared and just give up whatever I you know, want, I don't have to because I've got something that's backing me. Instead of staying at a job that I hate year after year after year so that I can afford the thing, like, I don't know, for me, it was the apartment that I didn't even like. Um, I am now able to quit my job, start a company, join a new company that's maybe a startup, whatever it is that you want to do. And so some great examples of when uh, we were able to help businesses to do this, for example, is when the pandemic happened. Nobody knew what the heck was going on. Clients aren't paying their bills, etc. We were, I had one company in particular, we were able to start an entire new offer. They had a multiple six figure, like year long engagement offer. And that was it. And that was hard to get clients in 2020. People, the clients we did have were losing their businesses. So they weren't paying us. And then the clients that we wanted were really scared to make large investments like that. From a place of desire, we were able to look at the situation and say, okay, how do we make a lower ticket, you know, three to $5,000 offer that we can sell a hundred times instead of a hundred thousand dollar offer that we can sell five times and continue to run our business, continue to keep th- keep it afloat and continue to um, make an impact in the world. And we were able to do that from a place of like, hey, if this doesn't work, that's okay. Business is not failing. And so that's the purpose of the Freedom Fund is to say, I can go do... That's why I actually like the term FU money is I can say 
effort to whatever comes up, whatever is in my way. And from a place of desire, I can choose what is best, not from a place of fear of running of, I just got to solve the problem. I got to stop the bleeding. And so it is one of the most valuable things that you can do. It is, it will change your life to have money in savings and to have like a consistent plan for saving and just no cap. Uh, that is one of the most important things that you can do. And it is what every person that I know that is rich or wealthy or has achieved financial freedom, they have a storehouse of funds. Heck, it's even biblical, okay? So those are the top three secrets. They might seem simple. You may already know them. That is okay, but they will change your finances and they will change your finances quickly within a month or two, even without the Freedom Fund fully funded, starting to look at your finances every single week, making sure every dollar you spend is actually aligned with the things that you love and the things that are important to you. This is how you begin to create a legacy. This is how you begin to have more fun with your money. This is how you begin to um, eradicate any fear or trauma response you have around money. It will change your life. Since I have a few minutes, first, I want to open the floor to any questions that are there. But I've got one more that uh, just like a bonus secret that I've found has changed people's lives as well. So this is an understanding of your floors and ceilings in life. So in every area of your life, finance is just an easy quantifiable way, but in your uh, health, in your the cleanliness of your home, in your relationships, there is always a floor and a ceiling. And so, for example, maybe your floor financially is $500. Your floor is going to be that spot where you go, oh my gosh, I think things are on fire and we need to kick it into gear. Right. So when all of a sudden you've got $450 in your bank account and you're freaking out and you're like, we got to go make more money. We got to stop spending, stop buying things. Like we got to go make more money. That's your floor. Right. So maybe that is, you know, when you can't see the floor in your kid's toy room, you say, oh, shoot, we got to clean this. Or when uh, you've gotten into a third argument with your spouse this week and you're like, okay, we need to go fix this. Right. So whatever that is. And then we've got our ceilings, right? The ceilings are where we take our foot off the gas. We say, oh, you know, my floor is $500 and my ceiling, let's say, is $3,000. And when it hits $3,000, you kind of are like, oh, things are good. We're looking great. You know, we're, we're vibing. And you take your foot off the gas. You're not really worried about it. You kind of let things go. Now, what happens in every area of your life is we fluctuate between the floor and the ceiling. We go like this. Your average is, you know... It's like a cosine curve and, and your average is going to probably be right in the middle. So let's say it's 500 and 3000. You probably keep about 1500 bucks at any given moment. There's right around 1500 bucks in your bank account. So most people think that the way to get better in life is to raise your ceiling. Instead of taking my foot off the gas at $3,000, I'm going to take it off at $5,000. And so you get, you hustle, 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 you get to that 5k mark, and then you let your foot off the gas. What I am willing to bet is you will be back at about 1500 within a couple of months. I, it just is the way that it happens because your ceiling is not the ruler in the situation. Your floor is, okay? So if you focus on 
instead of I can, I'm going to get it to 5,000, you say, I'm not going to let it go below 1,000 instead of 500, right? So now all of a sudden, that moment of I'm going to kick it into gear, we better hustle, steps in at $1,000 instead of 500. And now $1,000 is as low as you drop. So if you, how do I say this? If you do not focus on making sure you don't drop past a certain floor, you will keep your ceiling. Your ceiling will raise only as high as your floor does because your average is still going to stay right around there because that's how far you drop, right? So you, the goal or what your focus can be, the opportunity to really change your finances is to raise the floor and to focus on that first above and beyond what your ceiling is. So the way that I did that is by very intentionally freaking out at a higher and higher rate. Like when I first started right back when I couldn't afford furniture, my floor was negative like $57. And when it was negative, when my bank account, I got an alert uh, from Chase that your bank account is in the negative. That is when I would freak out. That is when I would go pick up extra hours at mall. That is when I would stop going out with friends. That is when I would say, no, I'm not going to buy clothing today. I'm going to just go home after work because that was my floor. And it wasn't until I said, okay, I am never going negative again. My new floor is zero and I am never going negative again. That it didn't matter how many hours I worked prior to that. It didn't matter how much money I made. I would continue to drop down and everyone like just like clockwork every couple of months, I would end up back down negative. So I started with, I am just never going negative again. Never. I don't care what has to happen. My floor is now zero. And then I raised that to 50, right? And then I raised it to 200. And then I raised it to 500. And your ceiling becomes untapped, right? Your ceiling can always go higher, but you will always drop back down to your floor at some point. So by intentionally freaking out at a higher and higher rate or whatever that freak out, not really freak out, not a trauma response, but just kicking it into the gear or starting to take massive actions at a higher and higher point, that is how you begin to actually really change things um, at a significantly faster speed. So those are my tips and tricks. If you have questions, like I said, jump in the chat, jump in my DMs, feel free anytime. This has been a pleasure and I uh, hope to speak with you all in the future and I hope you have a great day.